Hey guys, welcome back to the Grad Life Podcast. It's me, Danny, and I'm your host for today's business episode. I'm uh, in great company today with uh, Mr. Jack Cantlin. Jack is the CEO and co-founder of Herd, a new Irish startup um, specialising in gaming. Yes, gaming, sports, social, you know, just being right, essentially. Lovely, lovely bit of self-righteousness. Jack is a former Trinity student, having studied law and... Is also formerly a solicitor of uh, Linklater's over in London. So, very interesting guest for you today. Jack, thanks for taking the time to come on. Great to be here, Danny. Um, uh, how was Christmas? All good? All good, all good. I didn't get my customary point in Kyo's, but apart from that, you know, it was uh, it was all good. Good to hang around with mates and uh, uh, have a good relaxing time. Good stuff. Good to have you back from London. Uh, Jack, I suppose, in traditional fashion, we'll take it back to college. Is always a good place to start, so... You studied law in Trinity um, a good few years ago now. We won't say how many because yeah. we'll give away your age. But law, was were you always driven towards law or where did the, the, the desire to study law come from? Uh, to, you know, I could give you the uh, answer that's, uh, you know, PC, that's basically, you know, you know, I had a passion for the English language, a passion for justice. The, the, the reality was there was a girl a year ahead of me that I didn't really know that well, but she came up in conversation one day and I was talking to her and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing Law and Trinity. And she said, I said, what's that like? I said, yeah, it's, it's not too bad, actually. It does nine hours of lectures a week. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, nine hours of lectures a week. Here I am in Newbridge doing 40 hours and all my homework and whatever else. I would love nine hours a week. So that was honestly and pathetically the logic of which my whole future rested upon was the fact that I could actually get away with doing a little bit less work when it came to my... Uh, uh, burgeoning legal career by doing Law and Trinity. Lovely. So it was technically nine hours of lectures, but I think there's a good few reading hours that, uh, that you're supposed I, I, to take. I think, I think my strategy was that uh, I, uh, I'd i be a good man to search out the notes from my fellow colleagues. Yeah. So I'm not even sure if the reading took place too much, but look, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I great mates uh, throughout that are still uh, some of my best mates and... Uh, you know, it was it was it was more work than the nine hours might indicate, but it's still it was a great time and a great time to kind of like be yourself and be as creative as possible. You know, I think that was probably a good start to the uh, idea of work smart as opposed to work hard. Exactly, uh, exactly. So while you were in studying law, you obviously took a liking to it. You managed to get yourself on the uh, Washington Ireland program when you were in college. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that because I know it's a it's a program that a lot of people strive to get on and and be a part of but it's also one that's probably not too well spoken about yeah uh, yeah you don't so, see it out there too often look i think there's there's hard there's bare there's probably not a bigger opportunity for college students in ireland than the washington Ireland program and um, what it is is um you know it has alumni alumni leo Radker did it when he was younger um, and it's you know it's got a formidable list of people that have done it before. Um, it's fifteen kids from the south, fifteen kids from the north. Um, it's very much a, a a child of the priest process, trying to bring together what they would describe as future leaders. I don't know if they saw a future leader in me or not, but they were still kind enough to pick me. Um, and you go to um, uh, the United States, and you get to work in uh, you know all the kind of 
at the center of power of the universe in a lot of ways. Uh, I was lucky to work enough to work in Congress for Congressman Peter King, um, who was a uh, Republican from New York. Um, I got um, so you know not to reveal too much about my politics, but um, Peter and I wouldn't be too aligned on many of the uh, <laughs> of the issues of the day. But he was very very kind to me. Uh, brought me to hearings. Brought me to uh, sessions of Congress. Um, and I just I, you know, I had the most fun three months in many ways of my life. And that was an opportunity afforded to me because, you know, I turned up at some random lecture in Trinity uh, about this program, learnt about it. And, you know, I'd always have a kind of mantra, Danny, to like apply for things and don't worry about being rejected. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just put the head down. Don't be fearful of getting it wrong. Be fearful of not putting your hand up and getting the opportunity. And that was the first kind of lesson of wait, you know, if you kind of give it a crack good things can sometimes happen. Well, it was good to know that you were going to some of those nine hours of lectures anyway. But yeah, definitely sticking the hand up, putting the name in in the hat, and you never know what comes from it. So you actually managed to intern in Congress for three months? Three months, yeah. And that, I I note that you are a uh, qualified uh, solicitor in the States. You sat the bar over in New York, so you're you're qualified to... uh, to operate over there. I am, Do Danny. That. Danny, when you get arrested in New York, I am your get out of jail free card. You Lovely. Know? That's it's good. Yeah. To, always good to have in the phone book. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. But did your time under Peter King kind of drive you to say maybe this is somewhere I want to work or was it just along that I might do this anyway no 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 absolutely like my parents met in America um, they're both Irish but they met in uh, Lexington Kentucky um, so we um, so very a weird place to meet but in the horse world not so weird very um, and uh, as a result I always had a great connection with America I spent like a number of summer. I spent the summer as a rickshaw driver in Chicago. Uh, as we talked about it, you know, I worked in Congress for a summer. So it was always very, very important to me. And I suppose a big part uh, of when I set out to be a lawyer, I said, do you know what, if I wanted, if I'm going to do this, I want to also give myself the opportunities to work in America. Um, and, you know, I was able to do that. I worked in our Linklater's um, uh, New York office um, for a little bit and just had, you know, it's a, it's a kind of intoxicatingly fun country, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, I so I always, even today, when I think about my future, I always think, you know, where might America be in that future? You know, um, and it's a, a place very special to me. Yeah, and as you were saying, you kind of touched on it there, Lexington, Kentucky, big horse racing town. Yeah. You are very interested in horse racing, and we'll come into that again and w- with Herd, but you set up the horse racing society in Trinity. Yeah, so um, uh, I suppose when I got to college... Um, I realize, you know, I have a big interest in horse racing, and perhaps I, I didn't feel there was a space for that for uh, amongst my fellow uh, um, students. Uh, I put together a little um, serve. I had to get fifty signatures, and I remember I passed it around. Another lecture I actually did attend, and my uh, girlfriend, who is still my girlfriend today, actually uh, confesses now today that when she was handed the piece of paper to sign to set up a horse racing. Uh, uh, society in Trinity she thought it was one of the most tragic things she'd ever uh, received and did not think it would succeed uh, but we had a we we'd loads of fun with it it was actually the, bizarrely uh, people might not believe this now but it was the second biggest society in Trinity when uh, we ran it we had two and a half thousand members um, and we were known for um, while also promoting horse racing and you know going to the race and have a great time we set up the Spin 1038 race day which has been a great success and sold out every year really since and um, 
we were also known we had great fun uh, throwing parties on, on in college particular highlight was when we went to the academy we got a, a large wooden horse and we put it on the dance floor which we thought was a great idea until people um started climbing on top of it and becoming Frankie de Tory, jumping <laughs> off it and celebrating while uh, it being midnight and highly inebriated and drunk um, so look, it was great, great fun, um, and it was a great, you know, great learning experience. It's so important in college, I think, to, you know, you, you're given this space, this unique time in your life where you you can try things, and we got that with the horse racing society, and uh, yeah, it was a great, um, you know, sandbox to figure out things that work and things that don't. I find it uh, hard to believe that it was tough to get 50 signatures for the uh, Horse Racing Society in, in Trinity of all places where <laughs> barber jackets, <where> jackets <laughs> seem like the status quo these days so they must just be fashion statements but um, everyone who's listening if you're attending a student race day you've got Jack to thank for his efforts um, in getting that started up off the ground so you finished up college uh, you've got your degree in law and you get a job in the highly, highly regarded and sought after Linklater's mm-hmm. over in their London office. Mm-hmm. So talk us through a little bit about going in as a trainee solicitor there and how you found starting out in London where it's well, highly competitive. I suppose I was intimidated to be to be honest initially, you know, it's all Oxford, Cambridge grads, you're trying to you're thinking like, am I smart enough? Um, am I posh enough? But actually when I got there, it wasn't really that at all. It was a bit much more of a meritocracy. It was people from across backgrounds in the UK. Um, in the UK, it's a class-based structure. You know, there's there's working class, there's middle class, there's, there's, there's upper class. But I actually thought it was a real advantage of being Irish in London because when they heard my accent, they didn't know what to do with me. They kind of thought I might be working class. They thought I might be mid- middle class. They thought I might even be posh. Um, so I that was a real advantage for me to integrate in Linklater's and to develop friends and develop you know and people to be uh to kind of you know mentor me and uh assist me in my my i suppose my legal development if you want to call it that um and it was a great you know it pushed me really hard uh i i two i'd five five years in links um and you know every every day year was a a new challenge i spent six months in our uh, madrid office um which was super cool i got to play for the madrid harps uh, Gaelic football team which uh, is probably my best sporting achievement as I played in El Clasico and, and we beat Barcelona in the uh, <laughs> Iberian Championship final um, and you know it was L- London is uh, you know and I still do live most of my time in London it's a great town there's always something to do um, and it's uh, you know it's kind of addictive in a lot of ways much like you know we touched upon uh, places like New York are too yeah, just very, very fast-paced and yeah. high-energy cities. Yeah. So talk us through, obviously, the people listening to this podcast will be interested to know kind of what you did on your day-to-day in, in Linklater's. Obviously, you said each year presented new opportunities and challenges. Like, what was your kind of typical working day as a trainee? And were you worked those kind of crazy hours like we hear with the, uh, the trainees? So, the- yeah, when I thought I moved over, to be honest, I thought I worked every single weekend. Um, and, you know, you're paid very well, so you kind of expect that. That wasn't the case. Um, I did work hard at times. You know, I've done all-nighters as, as a lawyer. Um, and But, like, an all-nighter is a bit of a different thing than what I perceived it when I was younger. When I perceived it as younger, I thought it would be me, you know, stapling documents together until the wee hours of the night and not getting any sleep. Actually, in reality, what an all-nighter was for me was, like, there's ten of us. We're all working towards this one goal, and it's just we feel it's the best thing to do, just push through and get it done the next day, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I felt like. And actually, 
you might not believe that people listening to this might just be uh, thinking incredulously about that this is the case, but actually it's pretty doable, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't actually push yourself in that way. But uh, in general, Lynx was, it, I would say it was pretty chill. It wasn't chill, but it was certainly man- much more manageable than I expected. My, back more specifically to your question, day to day, Linkler is 30 offices around the world, so you're de- dealing on international transactions where you're talking to colleagues in all these offices. You're helping clients, you know, deal with complex legal problems because if they weren't complex, they wouldn't ring Linklater's because they couldn't afford them. Yeah. Um, and it was trying to do that and do that as effectively and, uh, you know, as quickly as possible for them. Um, but it was great. It was good crack, you know. Like, you know, we did ski trips to... Kitzbühel to Morzine, we uh, did, um, you know, we had a Linklater's rugby team, uh, I got the captain and bring over to uh, play Arthur Cox on uh, the um, uh, Aviva back pitch, you know, that was, that was great crack, mm-hmm. you know, we, uh, I got, we were, I was great mates with the postman, uh, and a crew of us uh, brought him out to Dublin for his 40th birthday. You know, like we had like loads of great crack uh, associated, which I would not have appreciated when I got when I got the job. I thought it was going to be a bit like going to a stuffy library and being handed work every once in a while and just staying in that stuffy library the whole time. That isn't really it. It's more, it's much more my dynamic than that. It's more of a meritocracy and it's a, uh, you know, now you can see already you know, the senior partner of Linklater is one of the most senior roles in um, all of law in, in many ways um, is a woman. It's an Irish woman, um, a graduate of UCD in Adamar Comiskey. And that, that, you know, that just shows how Irish people thrive in that environment. Uh, and uh, also how, you know, uh, uh, when I when we started Linklater, I think there was only 20% women partners. Now we have a senior partner that's a woman, which is really great to see. Absolutely. So it seems like by immersing yourself a bit more in the company and obviously those all-nighters, you kind of, for some reason, I think, obviously having no legal background myself, but you... Do you find that just I, level with me? Do you find that bizarre? Like, do you... Well, no, do, not... Does it make sense that I'm saying? Or do I, yeah, sound like I, do I sound like I've drank the Kool-Aid? No, of course, of course. Like, obviously, you... you if you take a TV background, you you have the image of someone like Michael Ross or Rachel Zane yeah. in suits sitting there flicking through pages on their on their own for hours. But obviously now when I've got friends who are working in that kind of industry and they say, you know, it's not mm-hmm. just you on your own. You're working as a team. But obviously you kind of immerse yourself, even becoming friends with the, the postman in the company and that things like that kind of make your time seem a lot more bearable because mm-hmm. it's, a family environment would I be right yeah no like absolutely it's... absolutely and like you know things like sorry bizarre things but like you know cause my horse racing background I get delivered sales catalogues and like my sales catalogues would be delivered to link letters and they'd be sent straight up to my desk with the same priority as as a very important legal document you know what I mean and those are the kind of things that like you get more of a buzz of like you know the, uh, uh, Santana who is the you know the absolutely unbelievable barista I've still not had have had a, a good coffee since you know network hashtag spawn yeah um, but you know that is that is unbelievable in terms of making your existence better I think it's it's probably Irish people's advantage right that we mm. you know I was watching Donny um, on RTE the documentary about him uh, a couple of days ago and I was actually reflecting on it afterwards it's just 
an example of just an Irish lad being an Irish lad and actually being sound and not being afraid to just take a few kind of cheeky chances along the way. And, you know, as a result, I think Irish people... Um, more than the average tribe in international environments because people want to be our friends and want to be associated with us and it's a, it's a great passport to have. It seems like having listened to a few of the conversations that my co-hosts have had with other people and even conversations I've had on this podcast with some former guests, it seems as Irish people when they go away to whether it be the States or London for example, they don't try and get overly competitive with their peers they try and actually get on which is a different mindset than a lot of the UK graduates may have when they go into these I need to be one better than Jack I need to be one better than Robin this kind of idea as opposed to oh you know Jack's on my team let's help him out which actually works far better for you going forward that you're just the nice guy who's there to give a hand absolutely I'm a big believer in growing the pie rather than fighting over the pie you know Mm. and I think if people identify talented people they'll make sure they keep them right so like we had you know I had friends like Conor O'Brien Jack Danaher my girlfriend Grania Hawks um, you know we all went to Linklater's MK Cooney um, we're all Irish all went to Linklater's um, and and formed a bit of a mafia right Mm. which was which is very advantageous and you know I talked to some of my Oxford friends um, and they'd talk about you know a big article that was very important for one of the essays to be writing would invariably be ripped out of books in libraries because people would want that advantage of only having that one article, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not... I don't think that's Irish culture. No. Um, and I think it's a, it's a big advantage we have. And I think we extend it also not just to our own brethren, but we also uh, uh, um, extend it to everyone. And I think people respect that and respond to that. Um, and it just helps us immensely. Absolutely. So you spend a number of years, six years at Linklater's mm. and it seems to be quite a bizarre uh, turning career path to have done the six years having finished your traineeship, which is, you know, in most cases with solicitors, you know, you put in your slog for those six years, seven years, and then you kind of make the turn of the crazy hard work tends to drop off a little bit and your pay increases massively Mm -hmm. just on the brink of that you decide not for me I'll go out and go through the hardship all again and you set up Herd so let's just firstly before we go into Herd tell us a little bit about one what it is and where the idea came from to found Herd yeah so first of all Herd is a free to play social game that lets you and your friends predict what happens next during sporting events. So, um, a uh, activity that's as old as time, you know, watching a sporting event um, and saying, do you know what, that horse is faster than this one. That team are better than the other. This this player will outplay the other. You know, people are constantly engaged in this uh, as activity, but from an experience perspective, it's, it's disjointed. People do it on WhatsApp. They have poll, maybe a poll, they might participate in a poll on Twitter. We're trying to be the global place where people celebrate being right around sports and the we are the home of the conversation of what happens next. Um, it's a hugely exciting space. It's been one that's been dominated by um, activities such as gambling. Um, we, we're hoping to be a social safe space separate to that. Um, fantasy sports, which can be a bit intimidating to the, um, to the, you know, the more casual player we are fancy in a flash in a lot of ways you pick up you play you you invite your friends instantaneously you set the terms of those views like we had uh we have people you know with the formula one final weekend we'd someone put down a prediction latifi to crash 
you know mm. that was that was very cool to see that and yeah, like yeah. our community then are all like hurling this this oracle of uh prediction that got that 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 shout that made this what we call a view um uh right at the outset of the of the day um and that's what we love we love the kind of um the 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 social currency you get from being right and being validated amongst your peers yeah it's a it's a really interesting platform i've gotten set up on myself uh having chatted to you a little while ago about it and it's kind of one of those apps that you can kind of fathom when you're communicating it as you are there but also once you get on it you auto- automatically kind of become immersed like i've obviously got a massive interest in sport mm-hmm. the minute i got on it i was hooked because i love the idea of this is my shout obviously you can put your view down and people can back against it with their own say now nah, danny's completely off the charts yeah. here it's not going to happen and then if it, if it turns right your like what, your points yeah your status your we status, call it status your status the rose you know and it's, it's brilliant because I wouldn't be one personally for fantasy I find it too time consuming to mm. go an NFL fantasy a football like a premiership fantasy and it just takes too much time but I would love to just say Oh, on the weekend, I think Man City will win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. And like you know, if you think about, if you made that prediction in the woods, no, and nobody hears it, it didn't doesn't exist, Danny. Yeah. You know, you need to actually say, you know, promulgate it to the world, and that's what we're providing that space, um, and that's what really excites me about um what we're building and what we what we're kind of what we're creating at Herd. Um, and I think what's also exciting is, you know, we're going to be a new way of rewarding those fans. So if you're really knowledgeable around a sport and you can show time and time again, I'm so into Munster, I am so into Leinster, I am, you know, I'm the king of uh, F1, whatever that is. Brands love that. Brands mm-hmm. want advocates that are very engaged around their uh, around their sports. And over time, we're going to we're rolling out, you know, tickets to matches digital experiences um, a whole host of ways that if we were main free to play but brands that want access to to these to their, super fans yeah. to, and these these knowledgeable beacons of their communities um, will finally have a way of knowing exactly who those people are and that's I think that's really going to be when we kind of applied a jet fuel to to what her it is uh, and we're hugely excited for that moment I think it's a the, the concept itself and the fact that there's no money really involved with it, you know, it's free to play. You put your status out there. I think a lot of people, personally, I'm not a, a huge gambler, mm-hmm. but I do like the idea of putting my social currency of what I believe is going to happen in sports out there. And it's a perfect platform for that to happen. And alongside that, if, as you say, you're really into Lancer Munster and you're putting up enough views on Lancer Munster, you might get some knock-on effect from Lancer Unser Rugby themselves to reward you for your interest. Exactly. And people are doing not only that, but they're also doing it in more um, conventional ways even now, which is like, you know, when I put up an Instagram post or if I do a TikTok video, like I'm kind of doing it because I want the validation of my friends finding it funny or Mm -hmm. saying that's a great picture and they like it. Or, you know, our generation... Um, is one that is immersed in social media and is Im- is also immersed in- and wants that social validation of their peers saying, yeah, that's good stuff. You know, actually, what I enjoy about our platform sometimes is actually it's not the 
the people winning the status points. It's the people that like will comment under a view. That's a great view. That's a really you know. Yeah, that's yeah, a kind yeah. of like that's a kind of different one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's very very fun. Um, and then we have people use it really whimsically. Like they'll be like, oh, you know, the next lad to walk into the bar during this match will have an umbrella. And it has to be there watching the door going, does he have an umbrella? Does he have an umbrella? Does he have? And it's creating that drama within your day-to-day experience, which I think somewhat is lacking. We have it in existence in like WhatsApps, in, uh, in Discord communities, you know, on Twitter, on, on TikTok, in kind of informal ways. But I'm, I'm hugely excited about how Herd can amplify um, and reimagine how this is going to happen, not just in Ireland, not just UK, but around the world, yeah. um, and, and really be um, the new way we compete around sports. Absolutely, and uh, obviously, I'm kind of buying into this. I really like the yeah. idea. I'm sure the people listening at the moment are probably all rushing to their phones to download Herd so you can get that on the App mm-hmm. Store. Um, but obviously, there's also a lot of business interest. So you started up Herd in London, mm-hmm. and you're backed by Entrepreneur First. Yeah, talk us through a little bit about how you kind of got your first bit of funding and kickstarted Herd. So, uh, like, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening in, uh, Danny, that are, like, sitting there and going, do you know what? Um, I'd love to be an entrepreneur. I'd love to, you know, take a chance. I'd love to back myself a little bit. And what, what entrepreneurs first say is that they say, look, you know, we are we back people, not ideas. They are pre-idea is when mm-hmm. they come to, to accelerate. It's not that they give you the idea, but they say, look, you have expertise, you have knowledge, and we will put you in a space where we are you can meet co-founders you can and you can grow your business so i came to um uh entrepreneur first as a you know a ceo type individual in that i was commercial mm-hmm. and then it pairs you you know you you meet lots of ctos so technical individuals yeah. that can build the product um and the business proposition from entrepreneur first are saying look we start with about 100 people we're going to fund 20 of you go that, yeah. you know it's kind of and then it's like love island for startups right you have this leaderboard <laughs> That's a brilliant brilliant you know you have you have this leaderboard it's utterly bizarre and every week you and your couple so i was with uh you know rob who's a, this amazing um technical lead for herd um you know has built high growth end user products throughout his career and rob and i were our, our couple and every week we'd receive a grade and you know some uh, some weeks uh, couples would be getting you know one out of five which is low um, and they'd be voted off the island, in effect. You know, they they need to break up and uh, find a new, find uh, a new love partner. partner yeah. You know, and that's actually how it works. That's you know, mental. and like it's bizarre, Danny. You know, when people break up, um, they there's like a as as culture where it's celebrated. So you have to go in the Slack community and you go, hey, congratulations, congratulations. But actually, like, feck, you're you might not get funded now. You you're know, you better find one. a new idea again, yeah. quick, right? But me and Rob, we had a bit of a. I something you know. I said to the EF team, and they laughed at me that this is a. I didn't get the drama. Like we were together from week one. We were strong. We were like Danny. Uh, well, I don't know. They're not the best because they broke up. We're like uh, Molly May and uh, Tommy. And Tommy, we're like Molly May. And, you know, we're yeah. we're we're strong. You know, um. But uh, so we ended up. We went all the way through, and we were funded. Um. So the deal is. EF get 10% of your business yep. for 80 grand. So they're the 80 sterling. Um, so they are the first investors in your business. Then you go to EF Demo Day, um, um, where we, you know, we go out to the market and people are like, oh, you're an EF company. They pay attention, they sit up. Um, and now we've raised a significant funding round, which we're just about to announce very soon. Um, we've also got into a, uh, a leading another leading accelerator, which we're also looking forward to announcing 
Um, and, you know, we're in a very exciting place as, you know, we're in January in 2022 and we kind of put the foot to the floor of the accelerator uh, for what we can do this year. So you're obviously you were set up in London and we won't name the accelerator because yeah. we don't know if we're allowed, but the second accelerator you're into is Irish based. Yeah. So what's the kind of vision? Is it to grow it out here in Ireland as a pilot or, or how, uh, look, what's the views with her? Uh, look, I'm a big believer in Irish talent. You know, we are hiring at the moment. So if anyone, you know, wants a job, come to go drop me a message. Um, uh, do download Heard first though, because they'll be quizzing me about it. Um, but that's, you know, we I want Irish uh, talent as part of what we're building. You yeah. know, I'm a big believer in um, our country. I'm a big believer of how people need opportunities within the startup ecosystem. And actually, if they did, you know, anyone that joins our company is going to get mean, meaningful equity. Like, yeah. they're gonna, you know, we're going to involve them right from the start. So if our success is their success. Um, and I think together, you know, you know, I'm trying to think about some of the roles we have at the moment. You know, we have we need have a need for like content creators like you, Danny. We might hire you by the end of the uh, end of the interview. But you know what I mean? We need like we need people to create. You know, we're a sport. We're a so we're a social media. We need people that embody our brand. Exactly. Um, and where best do you get those people? Those charismatic, um, talent people. I think Ireland has has a whole uh, an absolute a, abundance a, a, abundance of them. Um, so that's why it's very important for me. You know, we are we're. We're about to officially uh, register a branch in Ireland. Um, I'm in Ireland a lot um, and we will continue to be. I'll also be in London a lot. London is a global city. It provides access to global markets and probably a global brand that comes with it that people sit up and pay notice to a, a London-based startup. Um, but our Irish DNA will be coursing through everything we do um, and I would see it very much as an Irish startup. Good stuff, good stuff. And I suppose being London-based is also given you a little bit of a, a boost i think because you've, you've gotten some seriously heavy hitters on board in your funding round mm. which is really rare considering the stage of product you were at mm-hmm. when you got the funding mm. talk us through a little bit of that like how did you find it particularly intimidating to go and pitch the product this is something that i think with a couple of entrepreneurs we've had on before who've gotten to pre-seed and seed funding mm. um their own experiences of like going pitching to private equity and different private backers to get cash to to get their their company off the ground Mm -hmm. how did you find that Uh, so i suppose i come from a background of uh my family are uh we breed racehorses uh, and racehorses are inherently an animal that sometimes are are very fast and sometimes they're very slow so i'm quite comfortable in selling a vision that may not succeed yeah um and you know coming from that background i i have always enjoyed uh, buying and selling. That is not to say, you know, I said I saw a very good tweet um, by uh, uh, one of the members of the Irish startup community during the week. I'm trying to remember who, but and, he, and they said, you know, one in most startup founders think one in three calls will be successful uh, in terms of fundraising. It's really one in 30. I would agree with that, right? You've got to do the hard yards. You've got to, you know, get up the phone. You've got to um, use your contact book. You've got to just give it a go, right? You've got to not be afraid of rejection. Um, and you know, we, we thankfully we've been very successful. Um, and you know, we're excited where that is going to take us. But you know, what's sad about it is like we're successful this round, but th- that just gives us enough so that we can get to the next stage, so we yeah. do our next round, so that we can prove again. You know, we need to prove in UK and Ireland we can deliver this product, but. You know, America's massive. Um, the Middle East, you know, Muslim communities, you know, it's against Muslim faith to um, place a bet. You know, what exciting opportunities might that present to us? Absolutely. You know, there's a whole host of uh, opportunities out there. 
and I hate to tell our investors this, but we're going to need more cash to go on, to go after them also. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, that's going to come down the road. But look, we're very, very excited about where we're at. We're, we're very excited about the community we're building, the people that are using our product and using it on a daily basis. And that's growing the whole time. Um, and we just want to speak to them, understand them and, you know, continuously get better, both as a, both as a team um, and as a, a, you know, as herd itself. Just on a personal note, what, what kind of challenges have you found as an entrepreneur setting up this business coming out of a traditional probably eight till six or eight till seven solicitor job into all this autonomy of it's on your own, on your own doing? And make it work. Uh, look, I think it's very scary. You know, you feel very vulnerable. Um, you feel like if this fails, like you know, that's it's embarrassing. It's uh, what the people think. Um, you, I'm not getting paid. You know, I'm getting paid very well at Linklater's. Um, now I'm now I'm not being very well paid, if at all. Um, that is that scary. Um, I think it's it's also it's an uncomfortable feeling being an, an entrepreneur in that you're kind of it's on you you know if a letter comes in the door that you need to action this doesn't you can't really hand it over right it's yeah. you it's on you the book stops the at book you. stops with you but it is look I, I my i'd say the way i'm built i enjoy it i like space to be creative i like space to be thinking laterally thinking strategically thinking about how we can you know best build herd um and that that i think the overwhelming feeling is one of excitement but that does not and people should not you know listening in should not think how you know when they see a linkedin post from me and it's uh up into the right chart of our user growth and they, they're thinking geez they it must be the easiest ride in the world um no it's certainly not like i have worries and existential worries uh you know all every week every day you know and, and that won't stop um but we'll just uh we'll do our best to uh continue to try put the ball in the net i'm not going to say uh we're, we're going to do it but we're going to we're going to give it a good go definitely so i suppose then with all the uh the managing of worries and the kind of getaway from the day job that is heard what kind of hobbies you're obviously interested in horse racing do you turn to horse racing to get the mind off uh off yeah work? look i'm a big fan of all sports i think you know you'd have to be being ceo of heard you have to live the darts at the weekend you have to live the uh the Premier League, you have to live every managerial change because there's people probably predicting on her. But, you know, for me and my family, uh, horse racing is a massive interest that I have. Uh, I'm lucky enough, to, I have a um, uh, horse syndicate where I kind of like, as a passion project, I fractionalise interest in racehorses. So I get like, a, I'll buy a horse and I'll say, look, divide it in a hundred. And pe- instead of paying thousands for a horse share, people pay a hundred, uh, like, you know, a couple of hundred. And that's called Syndicate Start Racing. Uh, we've had great success. We've a, we had a runner in the Grand National this year. Uh, we had a couple of runners at Cheltenham. Um, and we've a horse called Grand G going to Cheltenham this year. We're very excited. We're hoping to have a few runners at Royal Ascot. I'd I'd stick a little uh, a little yeah, view, view on. Yeah, the yeah, yeah stick uh, a view, stick it exactly. You'd be uh, a brave man betting against Jack yeah, if yeah, he's backing it. Yeah, so uh, that'd be great. And then I suppose yeah, the more left field thing then I also do is I have um, I have two um turbid stallions. Um, so hor- you know horse racing to produce the race horses you need. Um, uh, the services of a stallion, um, which uh, people pay for the opportunity to um, breed to that the that stallion. And we have two, um, fifty stars, who's a new stallion this year, and a horse called Far Above, um, who had a hundred and forty two um lovely mares uh, visit her uh, him last year, which is very exciting. And I did that in partnership with um Sheikh Rashid Dalmuk Al Maktoum, 
um, who is uh, from the royal family in Dubai. Um, and he was very uh, kind to entrust me with his horse, which I bought off him and he retained a significant minority uh, percentage. And that's been a great um, distraction from the more herd work. While it's still, I suppose, a bit of work itself, it's, it's exciting to have... Uh, breeding and shaping the new generation of racehorses as they emerge uh, and trying to uh, breed a few bullets along the way. Um, so that's always a great distraction um, alongside the the no, not too daunting a challenge to build a global social media company. I think it's also a good uh, a good reason to get out of the office and maybe yeah, spend it, a few it, days in Ascot or Cheltenham. Yeah, you were slagging me about uh, Trinity students having a barber jacket. I definitely am a barber jacket wearing... Uh, 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 individual but you did you did comment as i walked in danny you had the same uh, uh fleece that i'm look, wearing right I, now so you know we, you know we, maybe we're not too different look i'm know? partial i'm partial to a barber jacket myself <laughs> you know what I mean? it just depends on the season um jack we'll finish up with one question that we ask uh, every guest and i'm gonna kind of catch you off guard here because i probably should have mentioned it um but book recommendation if i'm not too sure if you're a big reader or if you're not um, but if there was one book that you read in the past while that's maybe had a significant impact on you, can be business related, personal development, fiction, doesn't matter. Anything that you read that you think that was good really stuck in the mind and that uh, you recommend. Yeah, so I am a big I'm a big reader. I love to read. Uh, I'm trying to think what would be the book I would recommend. I, re- I if you wanted to laugh, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, did you hear Mammy died? Um, you're famous for Tommy Bow um, exclaiming uh, on Ireland AM uh, yeah. about ten, uh, ten, siblings. 10 siblings. If you wanted a distraction, I'd highly recommend that. I'm big into my historical fiction, the nerd I am. So I read, you know, I read a great book on Napoleon called Napoleon the Great, um, which takes a different perspective on Napoleon, which is uh, that he's actually not a bad lad after all, um, which I really enjoyed. I'm reading Hahi's book at the moment, um, which is interesting. Um. Uh. But uh. What else? Would I, I. I. Yeah. And I, I didn't. I love normal people, but I. I didn't love Sally Rooney's new book. Um. So yeah, lots of different uh books kind of constantly on the go. I'm trying to think if there's one, kind of. I. I'm into nonfiction. I'm trying to think has there been one kind of. Uh, um. There's one really weird book that I read called Everything You uh, Think Think the Opposite, and it was written by a marketing executive. Um. Just about latter about being different um and trying to think left field thoughts Mm -hmm. it's very picture based it's literally something you'd find in someone's bathroom but that's always stayed with me as something that like you know to actually to succeed in life you need to zig and zag not go on a lateral Mm -hmm. um up uh line um and that's what i think that's a book i find myself referring to a lot um and also um there's a book i enjoy i'm not very good at keeping habits so um my friends who are listening to this will think it's absolutely bizarre um but um atomic habits i found very very uh good it's about you know cr- thinking about what are the things that you do on a repeat basis and, and make them positive things mm-hmm. and while i might not embody it i certainly pat myself on the back when i do accomplish it um and 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 do something positive with my day that is on a repeat basis so yeah there that's kind of a, a, a whistle stop tour of kind of the bizarre collection of books i've been reading over the last while so i think for uh for everyone listening there is 2022's new year's resolutions of reading the book yeah. a month or whatever that's got you covered yeah, until yeah, the yeah. end of the year so uh plenty there jack thanks a million for taking the time to come on um i'm sure those listening have gained some really really good insight uh i've really enjoyed it it's been a good laugh uh and for everyone listening as Jack said, he is hiring with Herd. 
So make sure to download the app. It's on both apps. Uh, both on both app stores, yeah. Uh, uh, it's heard, um, and then if you just say, it's nice to be right, because that's what uh, that usually finds it pretty simply. Lovely. Um, and that's what we believe, you know. So heard, it's nice to be right. Um, personal opinion, I've downloaded it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Jack, thanks for taking the time and all the best going forward. Thanks very much, Danny. Cheers.